Welcome to The Luxury Code, where we decode the mindset, the marketing, and the business approach of successful luxury brokers. Super excited to have longtime friend, Christoph Chu, luxury real estate agent from Beverly Hills, legendary luxury real estate, and Jason Pantana. <laughs> I have an outcome today, Christoph. You have an outcome? I have an outcome. I'm shocked. There is so many people that are fearful, lack the confidence. You know what I'm talking about as a coach. They, they say, God, I would love to have the high end. I would love to sell more expensive real estate. And it's even in their marketplace. Yeah. But there's just this like anxiety and fear because you know, those high end sellers are so different from everybody else. Oh, they sure are. I know, right? <laughs> so, so what I want to unpack today is, is maybe some of the origin story of you getting in. Okay. I want to get into how do we get over the fear? Okay. I want to talk about marketing. I want to talk about is follow-up different? Are presentations different? Like if somebody was just landed on this planet, right? Thinking of David Bowie right behind me, right? Ziggy Stardust landed on this planet and decided not to be a rock star, but instead be a rock star, right? In the real estate business, yeah. what would they have to do to break into Beverly Hills or Palm Beach or New York City? Yeah. So I want to explore all that. Does that sound fun? I Sounds love fun. it. Sounds cool. great. So for the people that don't know, which would shock me, right? Because I mean, you have been so kind to, to share my stage and so many other events that people ask you to speak at, and you've been in the industry for a long time. Yeah. Give them just a little backstory. Who's Christoph Chu? Uh, basically, I came from a regular family in LA. Uh, my mom was a hairdresser. My stepfather was in the art business. Uh, I wanted to be rich and live a fancy life. Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford me that. So I started working when I was 12, cleaning apartments, valet parking cars at 16, and working as a waiter. I did all the jobs because I wanted a life. Right. And uh, I worked. But you didn't want just a life. I wanted a fancy life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, luxury life. And um, so I'd work all week long back in those days to go to dinner one night a week. Right. Spend 300 bucks in those days for dinner. So <laughs> that was a big deal yeah. this, as a 16 year old. Yeah, it was. And we, I did school to go to the restaurants and get facials in Beverly Hills. So, okay. So, so <laughs> that's probably not how most real estate agents started, but everybody probably has not. their origin story. Yeah, yeah. So when did you first get in the business? Well, I started cause I was modeling and yeah. my wife, Gabrielle, who, you know, yeah. um, she didn't like me being gone three, four months at a time with all these right. beautiful models, partying and sure. having fun. Sure. She says, how about getting a more stable job? And I'm like, oh, well, let's go into real estate. <laughs> yeah. No, it's stable. <laughs> I was 18 and I'm like, she said, she said, how about real estate? Right. And I thought literally as an 18 year old, I can drive a fancy car. I can show pretty houses, be my own boss and make a lot of money. Right. I didn't know about escrows, title, and I didn't know about any of that. Solving problems for a living. Didn't know. So yeah, I, crazy clients. I yeah. took my test, got my license, and I started selling real estate. It was just that that simple. Now, were you then like in Glendale or where were you then? Uh, so like, I, you I was living in Beverly Hills. No, I was living with my parents in Los Feliz. Okay. So I interviewed at the Los Feliz John Douglas Company, which yes. was the best company back yep. in 89. Good old Jack. Or 88. Yes, Jack Douglas. Yeah. They wouldn't hire me because the manager uh, she said, what's your goal? So I want to make a million dollars a year and drive a Rolls Royce. Yeah. And she says, you're not the right fit for the office. Yeah. So I went to the next office, which was Hancock Park, and they hired me. Mm -hmm. First year, I did one sale. It was a $43,000 co-op. I made $1,732. And then- it Sounds uh, like he remembers that. Oh, yeah. I do. Maybe a story there done. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd yes. spent probably 10000 to get through the year and, right. you know- Right. And uh, so she said to me, well, you've been here for a year now. You've only sold like one deal. You got 90 days, you're out of the office. So I went to a seminar where I learned how to prospect expired listings. Yes. And then I started coaching and yeah. that was kind of the beginning of really making money in the business. So what year was that? That would have been- um, 91. Yeah, so 91, because you got in, let's see. 88 or 89. Yeah, because we started. basically started around the same time, yeah, like yeah. me with my dad and, and yeah. you. Yeah, you're working, and, at, you're working yeah, with your dad. And, yeah. and so, so Christoph's one of the original clients from my dad's yeah. company, like many, yep, many moons awesome. ago. Yep. Um, but like we had dinner last night, like we've, we've, we've just become friends over decades and watching each other, you know, grow and evolve. Yep. So, so tell us about 
the transition from Los Feliz, because the way you described mm. it last night, it wasn't Los Feliz the way maybe Dave Robles thinks about Los Feliz <laughs> yeah. or my friend Claudia Cole, who lived <laughs> on the top of the hill and they were like the Horty Torty family. No. Like, you know, we you were, were south of the boulevard. That's where right, the poor people lived. Right. Uh, but luckily my friends at least bought a house in that area, right? Uh, yeah, south side of the south side of the tracks. Yeah. And um, so when I was working in Hancock Park initially, I was doing pretty well after, you know, five, six years of prospecting. Mm -hmm. I think my top year was like 65 deals, but they were mostly first time buyers, mm -hmm. you know, second time sales, you know, average price. Like second time sales, AKA expired listings. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I think I was, I think with 62 deals was my highest number of deals. Mm -hmm. I was one of the top agents, but it wasn't where I felt right at home. Right. I knew Beverly Hills was for me. You have to yes. be in the space that you're comfortable. Right. And um, so when I was given the opportunity to go to, to Beverly Hills, I did it immediately and moved. How did that opportunity arise? Uh, I was a training director for the office yeah. and I was in. But you were like five years old. You were the was, training director? Like... I was 23, the training director, my training director mm -hmm. left. Yeah. And I thought, well, I could train these people and I can make money doing that. Right. So I made a proposal to Jack Douglas, like a 20 page. So this is what I want to do for the training. Yeah. He, he hired me. Yeah. And so I did that. And um, so I was at uh, your dad's management training in Newport Beach. I remember. At, uh, I think it was at Four Seasons at the time. Yeah. Yep. And Betty Graham was there and all the managers at Co-Banker. All legends. Yeah. Yep. And, Shout out to Betty Graham. And they said, uh, have you ever thought of coming to Beverly Hills? I said, absolutely. I've always wanted to. I've just never did anything about it. So yeah. Betty says, come meet me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I met her and she says, would you like to join the office? I said, absolutely. I packed my stuff up and I was gone and that and was you, it. you switched companies or? No, same you, company. Okay. I've always been in the same company. It was John Douglas, we became Cobalt yes. Banker, but yes. uh, I always knew that was the best company. So yeah. I stayed, but I was just moving from Hancock Park, which is only a five mile difference. Yes. Um, but, but that five miles uh, to maybe someone listening right now who, let's just say this person listening, they're, they're selling four or $500,000 houses right. and, and there's million dollar houses. Yeah within minutes, right? With yep. pretty much, I mean, a million could be, two million could be 700,000 <clears> and yep. when you're selling 250,000 our houses. Yep. That difference, not just in proximity, but yep. in price freaks a lot of people out. You you seem to be the opposite of it. Yeah, that, that when you asked that question, that didn't quite make sense to me because mm -hmm. the high-end luxury doesn't freak me out. I feel very comfortable in that realm. So yes. people say that, I've never really heard that so much, but it's interesting. I guess people always have fears of different things. As a, as a coach, <clears throat> how often oh. do you hear that? All the time. Really? So all the time, which I'm actually sitting here listening like a fly on the wall. And I'm kind of intrigued by your mindset in terms of how you enter into luxury, mm -hmm. because there are a lot of agents who yeah. they feel intimidated. They feel like the expectation will be greater upon them and they yeah. won't be able to deliver the results that somehow it's harder. And I've been having this conversation with a lot of clients. I was like, tell me how people are different. Tell me how this is different because I don't buy it. Yeah. But you're this is worth definitely tapping into because right. your mindset is Where vastly it's, different. It's it's on the list. That's yeah. really never list. crossed my mind in terms of that. There's no you you could be my new Jeff Mays. This is a microphone. <laughs> I said that earlier. It's really effective when you talk into it. You should have like a training video. I'm going to have to do it like a pre-podcast. But I don't have a speak guard. But no. Yes. I don't either. So so you talked about the, like at 16, we were talking about last night at dinner, like you're yeah. like, literally I would like, I'd work all week. I would like, yep. you were like cleaning apartments. Yep. You were doing like whatever it took Any to, to write, to create this opportunity, this yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. One could argue like, well, of course, well, that's why he's Christoph Chu in Beverly Hills, but how do I become that? What, what about today's mindset or the last 10 years mindset or the last 20 years have you learned about creating this mindset? Because there's just, different levels of wealth. Right. And there's always someone that's going to be intimidating. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Yes, that's true. Right? You're yeah. like, oh, you know, I got like their level of wealth. I understand their level of wealth. Ooh. 
right? And that's how people look at it. Yeah. Like, like they must be different. They must be special. He doesn't have that mindset. Well, can I, well, I want to hear what he says, but I have a thought too. I want to ask yeah. you. Um, we have quite a few friends that are billionaires and you yeah. have a lot of friends like that too. Yeah. I don't feel any different around them than, than a housekeeper or someone clean. I mean, I treat everyone the same. I mean, yep. of course, ah. the higher end clients yeah, yeah. treat everyone yeah. the same. Yeah. The, the the cleaning girl at the hotel room or the valet parker, they should be treated as nicely as your billionaire clients. Yes. That's number one. Yeah. Um, I've just never had that thought or mind, maybe because I always search it out. And I remember it was like four years into doing well. And I always believe you have to spend money to make money, number yeah. one. I said, we were talking at lunch today about coaching. And I said, mm -hmm. I've been coaching for 29 years or 28 years right. nonstop. And people are like, well, how do you pay for coaching? Or it's not about that. When I first started coaching, I wasn't even sure if my credit card would work for the $12,000 of the yeah. initial fee. Yeah. But I knew in my mind, I said to Katie at lunch, I said, I knew if I spent the $12,000, I would make at least 120,000 of return in the next, I just knew it. Yeah. So it was not even a question. Yes. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> so, so if, if, you you and I both have studied so much on mindset. Yes. You know, yes. daily meditations, yep. having the right environment, like all these things that we know that that just make us energetically right. Yeah. Yeah. So unpack for just a second. If someone's listening right now and they're like, okay, there's definitely a more expensive area okay. over here. Okay. There's the inward work and then the outward work. And we're gonna Correct. get to both, right? Correct. So the inward is like your mindset, how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Like, are are you worthy of $100,000 commission, a million dollar commission check, yep. which one of my clients just got, yep. a million dollar commission check yep. on one deal and he yep. moved on to the next one. Yep. Are you worthy? Then we'll get to the outward side, which is the marketing side. And yep. like, how do you message? And then how do you communicate? So yep. let's unpack all that. Which but, is funny about questions because you and I were coaching, I was coaching with you at the time yeah. when I got my first $30 million listing. I remember. And uh, I spent eight hours that day. I was mentally prepared and psychologically, they were friends of mine. Yeah. But I still spent eight hours with the presentation mm -hmm. getting ready right. so that if he asked the questions, I was really, you know, spot on responding. Yes. Don't and worry, my friends. I will be asking about preparation. That's coming up. That's <laughs> on my list too. So, so what do you recommend to, to strengthen their mindset or maybe just create a more abundant mindset or a more accepting mindset or, okay. or how would you maybe define it? Cause so, I'm, I'm throwing words out there. No. So first of all, your 10, 10, 10 book every day. Yeah. I still do that. Yeah. I write down all the 10 things that bother me and are in my mind. <clears throat> And to let that. go of. Yeah. And when you first told me about that, I thought, why would I write down all the negative things in my life? But right. you're taking it out of your head and releasing, label, it, releasing it over there. So yeah. what I actually do is I write it down and then I'll go outside and I burn it. I love that. And I see that. Do you really? I swear. Because you know, we've like, I've done that a million times where I'm like, this it. is just driving me insane. I've got to let it go. Write the letter to the person, yep. write to the person that passed away that I love, that yep. I'm just so disappointed with or something. Write the letter, light it on fire. I don't know who came up with that concept. Probably yep. some like people doing like, know. Anawaska, what's that crazy <laughs> thing? Like, who knows? But to Anawaska? me, the burning is a, yeah. is a yeah. and I see it go in the air. So aside from that, I do yeah. affirmations every single day, yeah. usually with one of the Tom Fury friends, yeah. Yeah. nine o'clock every morning. And we do, you know, I do my five minutes, they do their five minutes. But yeah. one of the first things I do is I do a, the same kind of release, but mentally, I basically mm -hmm. visualize all the things I'm worried about, stressed about, angry about, um, sad about, disappointed at. I talk about it and I literally do do this on the phone. I'm like, I pull it from my toes, up my fingers, yeah. up to my shoulder, and I see it like steam coming out of a train out of my head right. and it all just dissipates. Yeah. And it gives my body a more free space. Then I can do the gratitude. Yeah. And it's grateful for no matter what your day is like, I'm alive, I've got a home, a roof over my head, hot and cold water and food and Yeah. People uh, that I love, people that love wife, me and, and yeah. yeah. And then and then I talk about my intentions and my expecting miracles every day. They don't happen every day, but I'm yeah. always saying, I expect magic and miracles to happen each and every day. And 
somehow the next call is going to be that wonderful magical miracle, and right. it happens. Right. So if that's that's an everyday thing, no matter what. Do you remember my dad used to talk about attitude, approach, and expectations? Yeah. Do you remember that? Like yeah. he's like like hey, if your attitude is like the whole world's falling apart, yeah. you see it that way. So yeah. he's it's it's the antithesis, it's the exact opposite yeah. of that, right? And yeah. expectations. If you expect good things, like I'm telling everybody, like hey, it's the end of the year you should have your biggest sale ever in yeah. 2022. Yeah. They're like, well, why? And I'm like, why not? Why not, exactly. Why not yeah. just put down, I attract a $20 million transaction, $100 million. Tra <laughs> when Gary Gold listed the uh, the Playboy Mansion yeah. with Mauricio. And I was like, of course, because yeah. yeah. we, we sat in a workshop two years before. Yeah. And he's like, I want to do a multi-hundred million dollar deal. Yeah. And I remember him calling me, I got it. Right. And I'm always writing down, I'm going to sell the most expensive house in Los Angeles. Exactly. Hasn't happened yet, but it will. Listen, we got time, brother. Know, we got time. So <laughs> so if someone was listening right now and they were like, okay, so just to clarify, the 10, 10, 10 is what do I need to let go of mm -hmm. that's holding me back? That's like that parachute resistance. Mm -hmm. The next 10 is then what am I grateful for? And then the last 10 is what are your intentions? What are your expectations? Right. What are your goals? What are the things you want to accomplish? So doing something like that for a decade or so. 30 years. Kind of impacts your mind. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you say to the person that's like, oh, I've tried that before? We haven't done it long enough, hard enough, and uh, consistently enough. And like you've been talking about the 30 day no news. Yeah. I have not watched the news or listened to the news <laughs> right. since, since the Twin Tower collapsed in 1991 and that day. That day. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch the news. I mean, occasionally I'll listen to the news for five minutes on a Saturday or Sunday on just, the, in the car. Just to remind yourself why just not to. Just to kind of know what's <laughs> yeah. going on. Just, you know, are we open? Are we closed with COVID and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff? But I just, I don't put that in my world. I don't allow it in there. I mean, if anything bad enough is going to happen, you're going to hear about it. Right. Yeah. So you I know who said that, that first? Ooh. And we saw him on stage at the same time was Mike Vance. Oh, he's like, if a world, you know, if a world war breaks out, someone will let you know, someone will let you know, right. let you know. Yeah. Like, like, you know, so just, just stay focused on what you want. Yeah. So, so the mindset stuff is so important. You have a backup question on mindset? I, I have, well, I don't, maybe I want to see where it goes with this. <laughs> I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier. Like you had this deep motivation yes. and yes. longing to yes. be in the luxury lifestyle. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of agents resistance. I think some people are afraid that they, they're not worth the money on yeah. the commissions, but I okay. think a lot of agents are intimidated by the people. They talk about affluent clientele and okay. how they're so much different. I just I just wonder what was the motivation behind wanting to be living a luxurious lifestyle? Was it the lifestyle itself or was it to be like the people living that lifestyle? Was it wanting to get away from the situation you were at? No, I what had a very you? lovely home. It was yeah. not fancy. I mean, luckily I will say this, I mm -hmm. had a lot of exposure and you know, That's exposure is critical. Yeah. So being half French and half Korean, from when I was six years old, six years old, first thing, my parents put me on a plane on Air France by myself. I flew to France. Mm, remember the little, that like, yeah. with a little lanyard. <laughs> and then the little lanyard, your ticket, right? <laughs> yeah. And my aunts and cousins picked me up. I didn't speak a word of French. They only spoke mm. French. Mm -hmm. And, but I went to Europe every single summer for three months. Not in a fancy, I mean, on the farm with my right. relatives in the country, but I saw chateaus. I saw the Louvre Museum. Mm -hmm. I saw art yeah. and culture. And it exposed me. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot more out there than what yes. I'm used to. Yeah. And so I wanted to be part of that. And then once I started making money in real estate, I used, did used to buy a lot of stupid shit, which mm -hmm. you told me not to yeah. do, and yeah. I don't. Yeah. But I remember it was the first year I made $280,000. Mm -hmm. And we used to like to, we like to travel. So I remember we booked a three-week cruise in the best penthouse suite on the Crystal. And it was a week in Monte Carlo at the Hotel de Paris, and then a week in Rome at the, at the, the Grand in Rome. And it was... I think it was a quarter of my gross income for the, for the year trip. for the trip. Yeah. Net. I mean, yeah. Yes. Um, but I knew I had to do You're it. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I have to pay taxes. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a whole other podcast. But was it was miracle every day. On yes. this cruise with a thousand people. This is the, the key. This is the key. On the boat. Yeah. We were sitting at the lounge chairs. Mm -hmm. We met this couple from Beverly Hills. We became friends. Yeah. So when I did physically move to Beverly Hills, my first refer referral was from them. 
a very wealthy Indonesian family had just built this 24-unit condo building in Beverly Hills. Yeah. They didn't want to sell it. They wanted to lease it. But this is back in like 95 or 96. There were like 4,000 to 8,000 a month rentals. Mm -hmm. And I had the whole building oh, exclusively. In, in 95, 96. Yeah. That's so a, I yeah. was making about 120,000 a year just from strictly, and I was doing mostly double end deals on right. those units because right. they come to the sign and yep. all that. And today from, from that one referral that one of the buyers, one of the tenants that bought referred me to a client that that buyer and became a seller, we've done 60 million in deals. Wow. But it came from the cruise to the rental building to this referral to that. So, yes. but like I said, you got to spend money to make money. You got to be part of it, live it, be it. So people feel comfortable with you. Right. And then they're comfortable referring you. So, right. So. I would also make the observation, like I think a lot of people, this is just my hallucination. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at those who are affluent, like maybe an agent who wants to break into the luxury space yeah. and they see a divide, like a line of demarcation between people with money and then people like me. And I think if I could, it looks like you looked at that lifestyle and said, they have that lifestyle. I want that lifestyle too. Yes, yes. And it wasn't so much about, am I one of those people? It was more like they're people having that lifestyle, but yeah. I can too. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, a very distinct difference in terms of how a lot of other people look at mm -hmm. the luxury space, yeah. if that made any sense Absolutely. at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Go, go, go. And what's interesting is, you know, I was, you know, 16, started modeling and I was in, involved in the fashion world. So going to Milan and Paris and Tokyo and doing shows and all that, you meet a lot of rich people and yeah. see very expensive clothes. I couldn't afford the clothes. Now, of course, you get some things from the designer. It costs occasionally. That wasn't often. You know the old saying, fake it till you make it? Mm -hmm. So I was going to the Goodwill, Salvation <clears throat> Army. I was buying used clothes and like Armani suits and jackets and cashmere sweaters from for $2 and $5. I would wear it and I felt as good as if I bought it on right. Radio Drive. Right. Uh, but it's all I could afford. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to Thailand. We were very young. And... I couldn't afford any real watches, so I bought a whole bunch of fake watches that yeah. broke in like two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I felt like, oh, look at me in my fake Cartier watch that broke. Yeah. So I kind of had to, you know, feel comfortable in the clothes and all that. Um, yeah. But that helped certainly. Yeah. What's so interesting today is you think about uh, how many people we know on the high end yeah. around the world that, like, like the guys I talked to in Jackson Hole, that they're like in jeans yeah. and you know, like a beat up cowboy, you know, like this kind of look. Yeah. And <laughs> And they're multi-billionaires. And, and, and they're like, well, and the ones that are helping them buy and sell real estate, they're you know they're doing a hundred, two hundred, three hundred million dollars in sales, yeah. killing it. Fifteen million dollars sales prices yeah. all day long. Yeah. Twenty-five million dollars sales prices. Yeah. And the key distinction is they're comfortable in their own skin. You have to be yourself. And that's where we got to get to, right? Yeah. You got to get to like if you want to move up your price range, you got to stop looking at them and start looking at yourself and saying, Absolutely. "Hey, look, everybody puts their pants on the same yeah. way." Yeah. Now we're going to get into the the marketing side in a minute. Yeah. yeah. But before you, I want to go back to your point. Two things, actually, you both said it. One is be aware of your confidences. So there's a lot of people listening right now that are confident that they can't go into the high end. Mm. They're confident that okay. they're not good enough. They're confident that, you know, only people like Christoph can do this. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't go to Paris or France or, you know, growing up as a kid. So be aware of your confidences yeah. because those confidences are going to hold you back. You're confident about other things. You're confident about riding a bike, driving your car, taking a $500,000 listing. Like, what's the difference? Agreed. It, it is only the conversation that you're having with yourself. Yeah. It is only the conversation and you're having with yourself. everything takes time. I mean, you right. can't expect to just jump in and move to Beverly Hills and all of a sudden you yes. sell these multi-million dollar no. homes. No. You got to- Sarah Desimore in Miami. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think creating a line of demarcation where there's rich people and there's people like me, I think that is a dangerous- That's no. the confidence. That's, that's, that's the beware of the confidences. Yeah. 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 Who's, 
they're rich because they chose that lifestyle yeah. went after it. Right. And most of the, right. as you well know, most of the really rich people came from nothing. Right. Most of them didn't even go to college. Right. Right. So we're all this, we all started the same way, just yes. went different places based yeah. on where they are. Which is when I look at, I look like Tim Smith, who you know well too, yeah. right? So I look at like Timmy's listening presentation. He'll, he's just like, tell me about, tell me about you. Yeah. How'd you guys get to this place? Yeah. Like, how'd you guys get to this house? Yeah. Like, he loves the backstory. And you know what? You don't even know about all human beings, not just people that are like wealthy. They like to tell their story. Of course. Right? It's like their favorite subject. WIFM, so, what's in it for me? That's right, all I care about. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, one is be aware of your confidences, but the other one is that whole fake it to make it. Like, you know, you and I basically grew up together in this industry. Yeah, like, yeah. so you, like my dad driving around in Rolls Royce. You were both like 20, 21 when we first met. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. I think we both celebrated our 21st birthday when we weren't 21 <laughs> at Costa's at the Dennis Springs Marriott, right. just oh saying, you know, <laughs> passing each other's fake IDs. Um, but, I, but I remember distinctly hearing people like Brian Tracy, early mentors, saying that. And like, so my dad had all these fancy cars and I had like the, like, I had like two motorcycles to yeah. start, right? Like yeah. a Honda 125cc Humble motorcycle, <laughs> right? And right. And, and I remember like, he would say, hey, just get the cars washed on Thursday. So I would drive one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one yeah. on, you know, Wednesday, one yeah. on Thursday, and yeah. then get them all washed, yeah. right? And I would go and I would take these expensive cars, yeah. right? completely yeah. pissed him off nonstop, but I didn't care. And I would go to open houses. I'd go to broker previews and I'd walk through these houses. I'd pull up in this fancy car. And you know, I mean, I didn't have a Mohawk anymore, but I was still dressed in all black. And there's no way they're like, this OP kid is not gonna buy this house. Right. But I started to just get like, he, he's like, if you just walk in the steps of these people, yeah. how many stories, how many books have been written about the the super you know person that came from nothing yeah. who stayed in the lobby of a hotel yeah. just to surround themselves with all these people. So, Absolutely. So they became more comfortable in it. Yeah. And get back to the question about confidence, how do you become confident? Well, if, first of all, you have to resonate with the luxury. That's really not just yeah. you want to do it because you want to make money yeah. or... You want to right. do it because it's cool or right. you want to be on million dollar listing or whatever. That's right. not the reason. Do it right. because it's it's in your gut and your soul. Okay. If it's in your gut and your soul, then you have to figure out, okay, do I know all the architects, whether it's from the 1920s to the modern my, Paul McLean? Yep. Who are the interior designers? Yes. This painting, that piece of art, that piece of porcelain, yes. that antique car, is it a Bugatti worth $2 million or is it a, a fake Bugatti? You know? Right. So you got to really know what Do your homework? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like do your homework, yeah. study, prepare, yeah. learn yeah. what's important to these people. How do they speak? What's important to them? Where do they travel? Yeah. Right. And I also knew that at six, uh, actually, no, actually junior high school, because my yearbook teacher in your junior high school, she was an artist. She was really cool and she really got me. So she had all of the best magazines, W Magazine and Vogue into Italy and Europe. Mm -hmm. And I would look at these magazines and I'd see this, the beautiful jewelry and the clothes. I'm like, whoa, I never knew such things existed. Mm -hmm. So I just, I studied all that stuff. Yeah. And like now when we go to parties, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, that bulgari necklace with the, with the, you know, uh, tourmalines and all that. Like, how do you know it's tourmaline? I mean, they, people appreciate when you take the time to understand who they are, what they are, and that you know it. Because right. they don't buy that expensive stuff just to wear it. They buy it to show off too. You know? Right. And right. they appreciate when people recognize what they've done and their accomplishments. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot actually to unpack there, but let's really talk is. about, um, <laughs> let's, just, really let's just talk about uh, luxury listing presentations. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so give us an example of like, you're going on a big appointment. What kind of preparation do you do on the seller? on the house, on the neighborhood, more than just pulling the comps, right? Like give us like, just walk us through like a typical, hey, I'm going on that appointment. It's a 7 million, 10 million, okay. 20 million, 100 million, whatever the price is. So it's when I expensive. got my first $3 million listing, I had spent years, my high sale before that was 5 million, mm -hmm. but I'd spent years, we have care, broker caravan, which I go mm -hmm. to every Tuesday and I yeah. looked at all the houses. And Why do you do that? 
you have to know what you're selling. Oh, okay. Preparation. <laughs> Good. Just and checking. I remember I had a friend in the office. She was in the business for 45 years. She was older. Mm -hmm. She'd come with me on caravan because I wanted a friend to come with me. Yeah. And she'd say to me, why are you wasting your time looking at all these five, 10, $15 million houses? You don't have buyers for that. I said, I may not today, but if I do tomorrow, I know what to show them. Bingo. So, you know, my high sale was $5 million, I, but and I would be invited because I was known to the big, big private showings of like $20 million. There weren't mm -hmm. a lot of $20 millions in those days. Yeah. And um, so I got the call for this listing appointment, and I knew it was a very expensive one. So I, I was mentally prepared. And every caravan, I would get the brochures, and I had literally... Um, those three ring binders with the plastic mm -hmm. sheets. I had mm -hmm. the brochures and I had Homeby Hills one, I had Beller one, I had all the brochures and I would rent Of all these. the cities. No, no, of, of the actual brochures of the houses. Yes, yes. yes. But I mean, meaning pick them up by area. In, in Bel Air, yeah. in yeah. Beverly Hills, in Beverly Hills Flats, yeah. and, right? And I so, get them yes. all because I thought if I'm getting a big listing, I know how to do it. So, um, so the, I got the mm. call at 8.30 in the morning at the office on a Sunday. This is, cell phones, were, iPhones weren't even out yet. Right. And they said, we want you to come tomorrow. We're going to be leaving the country. We're going to sell the house. And they were friends. Even though I was mentally prepared, he was a major businessman. He had uh, made his company go public and he sold it for like $400 million and bought this, at the time he bought it for like 16 million for his wife for their wedding gift. Mm -hmm. And then they were selling it 10 years later. So I was mentally prepared, I knew the comps, but I wanted to be prepared for any objection he had. Mm -hmm. I spent eight hours preparing a really great presentation. Eight hours I spent that Give day. us an example of what was in it. Oh, comps, specific marketing plan and letter and all that stuff, and I brought all that stuff. and. The wife didn't meet. It was we met at eight thirty the next morning. It was just me and him. I'd been to the house. I didn't walk through it. We sat in the entryway of the house on a little sofa, and I literally and I going back to that more and more. I didn't show anything. Mm -hmm. I said, Steve, yeah. do you absolutely have to sell your home? <laughs> I swear Bill to Pipes gosh, would be so proud. The, the five minute, the ten, right, minute, the right. And he yes. Says, well, yes. He says, you know, we're we're moving out of the country. You know, it was October in yeah. July because you know we're moving out of the country. I said, great. Are you willing to price your home to, to sell? sell? And he says, well, what price do you think it should be? I said, it's, it's worth 23 to 24 Wait, you million. didn't do, I study homes and prices every day. So I assume that, remember that, remember yes. that script? I, Listen, I, we're like, we're like really dating ourselves I said that right afterwards, now. Yeah. Yes. So he, I said, it's worth 23 to 24 million. Yeah. So what should we listen for? It says 26.5. Mm -hmm. He says, no, I'll listen for 30 million. I said, okay. I said, if I sell your home in the next 30, 60 days, is that okay with you? He says, no, because the kids are in school. We're not leaving till July. Got it. I said, okay. So then if that's the case, I need a one-year listing agreement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this took a lot of guts. I had written in the contract 6% commission. Yes. And he says, how much is your commission? I said, 6%. Yeah. And he says to me, I'm only paying you $1 million to sell this house. Mm -hmm. So I scratched it out. I wrote in $1 million. We sold a year and two months later for $23.5 million. Yeah. And he paid a $1 million. That's amazing. That's what he said. So what's beautiful about that and, and I've done this so many times, and you and I just had this conversation earlier today. If you if you prepare really well yep. the day before, yep. you don't always use all the materials, yes. but you know it. You walk in with this sense of confidence. confidence. Like it doesn't matter what they're gonna say, like I'm ready because yeah. I took the time. Yeah. Do you think agents that are listening to this right now, maybe an individual that's like, okay, I wanna go into the higher end, should they grab all those high-end brochures? Absolutely. Sh should they go preview all those houses? Absolutely. Should they get to know the communities? Yes. Should they study all the architecture? Yes. Know who the builders are? Go to the know parties. Know who the bad builders are? Yep. Well, before they get invited to the parties, right? Because they may not get invited That's to the true. party. That's true. But you know, one one thing, and I swear you told me this, and this I, I give you credit all the time, so if you didn't, please <laughs> let me know. Um, he's not going to do it now. He's going to say, of course that was me, is you need to take your database and you need to figure out who do you already know that's there. Mm. 
right? Yeah. Like, you remember mm-hmm. like like that? Like I was like, yeah, like, well, you need to know who do you know that's already in these communities because right. Right. you probably already have ins. Right. And you know, we're constantly like, how do I market myself to get them to call me? Well, who do right. you know that already lives yeah. in an 850 yeah. or a 900,000 or a million or a 10 yeah. million or a 30 million, yeah. right? Absolutely. And was that you? No, it was not me. <laughs> I honestly, it was not me. Well, I've given you credit for well, like a decade, you. so yes. <laughs> but also now, you know, social media didn't exist 10, 11 years ago, really. Yeah, right. Now it does. And now I was telling people at lunch today, I said, the super rich are part of a private club. They're all on this kind of not really a private club, but they're all, they go to the same places around right, the world. Right. Like we see our friends in parties in like in Miami at the Art Basel this week. Right. Like there's 40 friends that are there. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden this one's having a party uh, at Omar's, the new club. And then this one's there. I'm like, oh my God, you know them. And like, oh my God, you know Christoph. People like that in that world of high end. They like it that you know their friends and right. you know, it's, it's so how do you how do you do that on Facebook without being Stockalina? You can't, no. So how do you do it? Because one of my questions, ready? Look at this. Yeah. Marketing, content, networking, and follow-up. Yeah. Let's go to networking. Yeah. I don't you've, just, done a, you've done a pretty good job networking yourself into yeah. some pretty fancy situations. Yeah. What are your three most important hacks for networking effectively, especially if you're looking to move your price range up? Um, I would say number one, what helped us a lot was being involved in charities. Okay. Or, you know, whether it could be homeless youth or saving trees. The number of times I've seen you take the photo of you sleeping on the streets yes. in a, in like on a, like a, on a cardboard on box, a cardboard box, box right? Rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you just do, and that's not charities is not the right word. Helping people or situations that could, could use your support and your influence. There you go. I, I don't like, like the word charity. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I started with homeless youth, it came out of the blue. A friend of mine said, well, you know, Covenant House California is looking for a new board member. Was this something you'd consider? I'm like, okay. And I went there and I thought, well, I didn't have a lot of support from adults when I was young with my dreams because mm-hmm. they didn't understand them. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this is my opportunity to give back to the youth that are on the streets, help them see that people care. And if they have a dream and a vision are willing to work hard to get there, there are people that will support them in that effort. That's why I did it. I didn't think about business and meeting rich people. It wasn't right. that. It was just, what can I do to give back to help those that need it? So yeah, that's beautiful. I didn't think if you do right. everything from that perspective of coming from a good place of love, kindness, and goodness, the universe will take care of you. Maybe not when you want to, yeah. just when they choose to. Right. Can yeah. I, I think that's a really important distinction because being involved in these causes is certainly a networking component to your business. Yes. But but I think it's interesting, like a lot of people might be cynical and say like, oh, people only get involved in these things because they want to be able to network with other people. I'm like, no, This what's happening is there's a level of bonding at work here because yep. you have people like you and like them who are having the same thoughts yep. right. about, I want to give back yep. in this right. capacity yep. because they do care. Yep. And then you connect over that. Yep. I just... I, and, I think, yeah. And you like that could be at your church, your synagogue, yeah, anywhere. that could be, you know, your local yeah. chamber, yeah. right? Business, you know, business groups. Do you guys remember Le Tip? Of course. So I was asked to join Le Tip Beverly Hills many years ago. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm with 50 people. They're all doctors and lawyers and right. all these. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a lot of business. Zilcho's nada for four. I mean, they would pass out those referrals because you're right. required to. And it was, yeah. I mean, I'm nothing. Yeah. Um, my refer, like when I joined Covenant House, I think, Two week, it was you know once a month board meetings mm-hmm. and really helping the mm-hmm. cause. And the president of the board said, you know, I got some properties I want to sell. Can you help me with it? So that started, and then I did other business right. through the board. But I never even thought, honestly, when I joined the board, that was going to happen. I just wanted to help the youth. Yeah. And well, so, that was that was like we talk about authenticity. It's well, so the same word in my head. But yeah. that but that is yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like I support Casa and 
it's all children's yeah. related things that I support, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's very yeah. real for me. Like I'm not yeah. there to like, gosh, you think I'm gonna get a coaching client out of this? Yeah. Like it's, and I yeah. think a lot of people network with that intention versus like, hey, can I meet some cool people? We all have something yeah. in common here, yeah. right? Like yeah. let's let's figure it out. Yeah. So so that's one, what's two? One, as you said, is is you know get behind things that you're passassionate about. Right. What's number two? What was the question again? <laughs> what are, what are your hacks? top two or three hacks for networking in the, in the higher end? Okay, one-on-one um, uh, -on -one networking. Mm -hmm. You go to a lot of events, you meet people, you like people, yeah. you have commonalities. Take it to a different level. You know, don't mm -hmm. be cheap. Take them out to lunches and dinners and mm -hmm. get to know them or mm -hmm. or support their cause. They're doing a charity event. Right. Buy a ticket or buy a table. Yes. If someone asks you something to support them, if you can afford it, do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because then they see that you care about them and they will hopefully care about you too down the road. So I think that's an important factor. I think, I think going back to everything, people want to be in luxury but are afraid or not yeah. confident. If you're afraid and not confident, either you choose to change that mindset and be different, or if you really feel that way instinctively, then maybe it's not your your realm. Right. No one has to be a luxury agent. I mean, everybody right. wants to be a luxury agent. They think, oh, the big commissions. But as I talked about today, the bigger the commissions, the higher the highs and the lower the lows. True, true. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to unpack can that I, before we're done. Go. Can I ask a question too? Like when you're at that listing presentation, just going back for a yes. second, yes. you yes. talked yep. about really preparing ahead of time yes. for their objections. Yes. I have a sneaky feeling that the objections you anticipate are different than what other agents who might be afraid of that presentation might anticipate. What kind of objections would you might have prepared for? Uh, in my experience, the objections are commonly the price differential. You know, my price is different than theirs. The commission, uh, length of term of contract. Those are really the main objections. I mean, okay. the other stuff, I mean, sometimes people don't want to spend the money on staging or stage it because they live there or whatever. Um, but those, Isn't that funny? Because that's every price range. Yeah. It's true. It's commission, price, and term. That seems to be the number one, number yeah. three things. So, Christoph, we we love you. Everything you're saying sounds fantastic, but God, that you know, like five percent commission. Like, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I just talked to Jason Pantani. I said I'd do it for like four, yeah. three, yeah. three. <laughs> I get it, Tommy. It sounds should, like a lot of money, right? I just know that there. You know, I mean, I just feel like we have a beautiful home, and it's going to sell quickly. You know, nothing in this area ever comes on the market. And when it does, it's gone. Yeah. So just, I just don't feel like I should be overpaying. Yeah, you do have a beautiful home and it probably will sell quickly, but that doesn't always happen. What are you looking for in the agent you choose? I mean, as I said, like we chose you because we love your video first marketing. We, you know, we, we believe in that. You know, I'm a huge fan of that work. Yeah. Um, I think it's that. I think, you know, I mean, obviously multiple people said, oh, Christoph did a great job for us. I actually reached out to a few of your, yes. your people yes. and like actually like got the scoop and everybody said the same thing. You're just warm, you're authentic and you're really good at what you do. Um, and so we want you to like fight for us and, and get us the highest possible price and make this process as easy as possible. It's true. And you know, Jason's an amazing agent. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you're a businessman. I mean, you built your company, you yeah. made a fortune in that. Yeah. You're a tough negotiator. Yes. So I assume Jason came in, he asked for a full commission and you got him down and negotiated him down to the price, right? I did. You did? I did. Is that the kind of agent you're looking for? Someone that can just like that, chop down their commission by one or 2%? The greed in me says yes. The businessman in me says, I, you know, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I mean, think about it. You're in, you negotiate all the time. Yep. Would you agree that you know one percent in a negotiation on a ten million dollar house is what hundred thousand mm dollars, -hmm. right? Don't you think that could be gone in a split second? I have the ability and the guts to fight you, a major businessman, to fight for what I believe is right for my commission. Wouldn't you want me on your side in your court on the boxing match fighting for you? Can we just go to 4.75? Well, I'd like to do that, but you like me, right? Yeah. And I like you. 
And do you feel I can sell your home? God, I love you. And let's just get started. <laughs> and often I just say, I'll, I'll do it for started. six. I'll do it for <laughs> six. <laughs> I'm tapping out. No, but commission compression has been really a serious of issue. Of course. And that's why yeah. I bring it up because because yeah. that is, I mean, it is very real. Yeah. Right. It, very but real. It's, but it's very real in every price range. Yeah. yeah. To be really clear.